Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we are going to talk a little about tiling rented ground. So we'd be happy to discuss any of your tile questions, drainage questions, and quite frankly, any agronomic questions you've got in general. We'd love to visit with you. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, today is Veterans Day, so to all the men and women who are serving or ha- or who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces, we want to say thank you and happy Veterans Day. So we've had a number of people that work for us and with us um, deployed over the years. We have one person right now deployed on the southern border for over a year. Over a year. That's that's a massive commitment. And if you look at what our veterans have done for us, it's just really, really incredible. So we have the freedom to do things like talking about drain tile and uh, some of the things that we're going to address on the farm going into this coming year. All right. So I, I was thinking about this a little bit, Darren, and I, I, I always like to think of the drawbacks because everybody always wants to talk about the positive stuff. So I just was trying to think of, well, what's the biggest drawback to tiling rented ground? And here's what I've got. Um, we have bought ground that was landlord ground that we tiled together with the landlord, and we had to pay more for the ground after it was tiled when we eventually bought it, in, some, in one case 10 years later, in another case about five years later. So that's the biggest downside that I see. Um, you're going to get a lot more yield. The ground's worth a lot more. So now when you have to buy it, it's going to cost you a bunch more money. Well, that's possible, but, and you know, here's the other thing too, they could sell it to somebody else. Now, here's one thing that a lot of farmers will say, well, I'm renting ground that's right next to my ground. Well, if you can tile that and fix it, that does help your ground as well. And you don't have to work with somebody else down the road. You can just do it how you want to do it. So there's a lot of benefits to to doing it that way. And you know what? It's just the right thing to do, Brian. If you see a spot where we can improve things here, we can work together on this and we can both win in the short term here. That's great. And you know what? If it works out in the long term, that's cool too. But you just never know because say a landlord passes away and their kids sell the ground or something, they don't have the relationship with you in many cases that that their parents did that you were renting from. So they they don't know what all the history is that's gone on. So you just have to look at, all right, I'm going to benefit today. Maybe I'll benefit long term. Maybe it'll cost me more money long term, but at least it was a lot more fun to farm. I made more money on that ground right now because I didn't get stuck. I didn't break equipment. I didn't have all those challenges and I got better yields too. So it's all good. All right. We've had many different arrangements with our landlords in terms of tiling because we have gotten every single piece of rented ground tiled in addition to all the ground that we, we own on our farm. So the the most popular one is this, where it doesn't cost the landlord anything. We just say, all right, you know what? We're going to spend all the money in the tile, but we want a long-term fixed rent contract. And that way we have time to get that money back out of the ground. All right. So that's really popular. The other one, and I said that one was most popular. I don't know. This other one may be, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I just say, for a lot of our landlords and maybe yours too, they have some money sitting in the bank. And right now, let's face it, it's earning like 0.00 nothing. So they want to put it into something that makes them more money. Well, let's just say that they wanted to spend $30,000 on their land to put tile in a piece of ground. 
Well, what I will typically do is say, okay, if you had that 30000 in the bank, you're getting nothing. Well, let's say that I gave you 5% APR. Uh, we, uh, we actually used to give 10% APR when interest rates were higher, but let's just say it's 5%. So what I mean by that is we just figure out, okay, how much does it amount to on a per acre basis? Let's just say for easy figuring, it's $300. Okay. So they spent $300 an acre on the tile. And we say, all right, well, we will go up 5% of whatever that is. So in other words, we want to take 5% of the $300. So that's $15 an acre more that we're paying for rent every single year. Plus the fact that, like I said earlier, that ground is now worth more money. Now, this also works for share rent landlords, too, because they're going to get more back. We're, we know we're going to have higher yields when you put that tile in the ground. So anyway, these are some of the things that we've kind of talked through with landlords. We did have one that said, look, how about this? How about you guys put in, uh, you do all the work. I'll pay for the actual tile, but you do all the work and then will uh, I'll I'll keep your rent down for the next few years. And I said, sure, that actually works out pretty good. And what we decided to do, because we had a really good relationship with this person and had farmed his ground for, I don't know, 20, 25 years prior to that. So I wasn't too worried about it. But anyway, there are a lot of different ways to approach this. I would just say it, it takes communication with the landlord. I had one and she would have been, let's see, my grandpa, for Darren and me, my grandpa, uh, our grandpa, uh, he, his sister-in-law, and she owned some ground. And it took me three years to finally convince her, yep, we need to do this. Now, it all turned out good for her. Her kids ended up uh, selling the ground to Darren for a lot more money than if that ground was untiled. So they got their money back out of it. Plus, in the meantime, they got a bunch more cash rent. But the big thing is a lot of people who aren't farmers themselves don't necessarily understand what tile is, what it does, how great it is for the environment, how great it is for the soil and overall soil health. And everybody wants to talk about uh, just soil health in general and just trying to make the soil better. Well, one of the best things you could possibly do is put tile on the ground if it's poorly drained. Because now you're introducing air into that soil, which means you'll have far more microbes, much better plant growth. And in the long term, you just have flat out better soil. You can build the organic matter more. I mean, so many, many good things. Anyway, I, I, I just say lots of ways you can do it. We're going to talk about this a little bit throughout the show today. Again, our topic is tiling rented ground, but we'd be more than happy to talk about anything that's happening on your farm. If you want to give us a call, again, that number is 844 44 ag phd or you can send us an email we are going to get to the ag phd mailbag a little bit later in the show but coming up next we've got your calls and questions right after this you're listening to ag phd radio Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob your yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about tiling on today's show, but we're not going to make it easy. We're going to talk about tiling rented ground. And that adds a little bit of complication to it when you don't own the ground, but you want to make some major improvements out there. And sometimes that's going to cost quite a bit of money. So it can be a little bit tricky. That's why we're talking about it today. Got our friend Dan Lipkiss with us right now. He farms over in Illinois. Dan, have you run into this situation where you want to tile some rented ground? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely have. Yep. And I'm sure yours is easy, right? They just said, oh, sure, Dan, just uh, we'll open up the checkbook, pay whatever you tell us, and make sure that it's just perfect for you. Yeah, it didn't seem to go quite that way. It was more of <laughs> more of a long discussion. But yeah, yeah. We have, uh, we've had a lot of experience with that. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting, too. When we started doing our own tiling, I know right away we had a landlord that said, well, you're going to do mine first. And he was all in. But we had other landlords that needed a little more convincing. What are some of the things that you do to, to or what pieces of information do you find that they need in order to make that decision? Well, I guess one thing is, you know, I've on a, a fair amount of rented ground, if it's smaller projects, I just paid for myself. I just thought, you know, if it's a couple thousand feet up into a wet spot or something to get that taken care of, sometimes you know it's going to make your life easier. You'll be able to get through the farms. Lots of incidental things like that. I just paid for myself. But we just did a year ago a large project. It was on a 300-acre farm where we pattern tiled, I don't know, 140 of it probably um, that needed it. And, of course, that took a lot more discussion. And I actually did pay for a percentage of it just to, you know, kind of help along with the process. Um, basically, when I was talking to the landlord, say, well, you know, what's your long-term plans? Are you going to keep this farm or sell it? Or, you, you know, you got to hand it down to your, you, you know, to your kids. And basically, uh, I used uh, the methodology. If you're going to hand it down to your kids, we need to get it fixed, you know, because it's a mess right now. It was a farm that I just picked up and it was, it was a terrible mess. Uh, you there's a couple of years there we didn't get a lot of it planted so finally finally got in and got it done and um 
the downside of the, doing something on rented land is uh, after we got it done, they made their investment. Like I said, I contributed quite a bit towards it also. Then they decided they wanted to get uh, uh, all their investment back within seven years, even though Thailand to me is a hundred year deal if it's a new good system. So raised my rent a bunch after I put all the work into it. Um, just so they get all their investment back soon. So that's the tricky part, you know, I guess it's how much <laughs> yep. is it worth to you. Yeah. Brian talked about that too, that, that we had, uh, we've had landlords sell the ground then, and then they want a lot more money for it because now it's got tile in it. And, uh, if we're the recipients of that, they're going to buy it. Well, yeah, they, they get all their money back in a hurry too. What do you see, Dan? We, Brian talks a lot about this and, and I know when we look at our numbers on the farm that it's been a one year, two year payback on a lot of this stuff, especially when it's a, a small project, like you were talking about, where we just run uh, a, another line up through a, a wet area and man it makes a world of difference do you do you have a percentage that you think tile makes for a difference for you well you know i don't know if i look at i'm, I'm sure there's a probably a number there but probably i've never really sat down and figured it it's kind of like what, what we just said is those smaller things i think pay back pretty darn quickly you know for it might be just you're able to get on the whole farm uh three days or a week quicker and that that amounts to a lot of money now when you're pattern tiling if you're talking you know a thousand bucks an acre um obviously that's not a one or two year payout that's going to take a little longer right but um the another selling point kind of to a landlord is and this is factual you know if if you have a a non-drain farm and it just people know there's a lot of problems with it or you have one that's tiled and uh everything has been fixed you know, if they've if they've spent a thousand an acre, that farm is worth at least that thousand an acre, and it's probably worth more than that above what it was before because it's a lot more uh, valuable farm now. So, in, as far as an asset, uh, they basically can get their money back almost immediately. It all depends on how you want to look at it. As a cash flow part, it's going to take a little bit more time. Yep, that's for sure. Great advice there, uh, talking with Dan Lipkus over in Illinois. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Yeah, you bet. Talk to you guys later. You bet. Thanks. Talking about tiling rented ground on the show today, we got Keith Rower with us right now with Dry Run Drainage over in Iowa. Keith, how are you doing? Very good. How are you guys doing? Good. You sound happy. You guys, Are you guys having a good fall? Hey, we're digging dirt. It's wonderful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's been, uh, been good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know there's a lot of projects that, that farmers are looking at, especially when it came out of 2018, 2019, where we really saw, wow, what happens if we get a lot of rain? It was a disaster out there. So glad you're getting some dry weather to try and help more guys out. How about in some of these rented ground situations? Are you seeing some of those landlords that aren't farming their own ground kind of coming to the realization that, you know what, it's time to make that investment? Well, it it varies. Um, in fact, yesterday I just finished a job uh, with a rented ground property owner uh, and tenant. The tenant basically decided he wanted to put the tile in. The landlord isn't very involved and, and didn't see the value in it, but they've rented the ground for a couple decades and, and uh, put tile in other areas and returned on that investment and felt it was worth it. The relationship was strong between the two, so and went for it. I, I think there are some landlords who are seeing the value in it. Everybody, I think, sees the value in it more and more as technology shows yields and benefits in the 2019 years um, where we were excessively wet. Uh, it, it shows it pays. So, yeah, getting those projects done has become 
a, a good priority. And yeah, having had some strong commodity prices this summer, it helps, you know, make it possible. So, you know, we think about Iowa and, and the region that you cover and we think, man, there's quite a few fields that have been tiled, but how much more potential is there? Are, are guys splitting lines, putting them closer together? Are you still finding some virgin fields out there that don't have any tile that you've got to get started on? Where, where do you see the situation across your region? Oh, it's a mixture of both, really. I mean, there's a lot of areas that really have had some form of tiling at one time or another, um, and and some of those systems are working, and some of those systems are needing to be updated. Um, you know, pattern tiling is becoming more prevalent um, in areas and in, in maybe sections of fields, sometimes whole fields, just depends on the customer. Uh, and, and, you know, there there's a challenge in our area with that. We have to work around old systems. You know, this year fair amount of the jobs I've done have involved old systems and so we've had to locate and and either work around or replace some of those areas and so um, there's there's still though, a lot of ground that needs tile and again the, the yield monitor shows um, benefits of tile and and so you know there's always areas to improve uh, done splitting of lines but adding and is always out there too. So it work to be done by everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about that. And uh, as we look at the yield differences, it's kind of amazing. And we, we get farmers all the time that are surprised by this, that, man, I had a fairly dry year, but still over my tiled ground, it was better. What's going on? And oftentimes if I get comments during the growing season that, hey, I see something as I'm flying my drone or looking at satellite imagery or even just driving a sprayer over the field, how come it looks better over the tile line? And I said, just dig, just look below ground and see. And what we almost always see is deeper root systems, more root hairs on those plants, just a healthier plant and a healthier soil overall. As you're going around this fall, what are you seeing in the soil? Is it really dry down deep or did we catch some fall moisture here and it looks looks a little better? I tell you, this year it looks way better than last year. Uh, there's a lot more moisture in the ground. The rains we picked up in August and September have really trickled through the, the soil profile and this year I've put in a lot of 12 inch uh, and, and 8 to 12 inch tiles and, and it pulls much easier than last year. Last year was just very dry and, and hard. Those clay soils were really uh, stiff and, and this year we've got a nice soil profile. I'm, I'm encouraged by the crop we were able to grow this year with the stresses of drought we had. Um, we're setting up next year I think to be sitting pretty good and, and uh, I think that also showed how beneficial having good drainages by having this dry year we saw really you know ground that maybe in normal years seems pretty good you think is fairly well drained but boy really thrived this year and, and outperformed what our expectations were and uh, i think a large part of that can be contributed to the fact of you know that root system had the ability to get the oxygen it needed and grow and, and wasn't saturated and and shows really how much more tile can be done and maybe potential for yields increase there as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. It, it looks great. Yeah, I love that positive outlook heading into this next year. We're talking with Keith Rower here with Dry Run Drainage. Keith, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. 
Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Weeds rob you of yield potential, so rob them of the chance to grow with powerful corn herbicide solutions from Corteva AgriScience. Weeds won't know what hit them, but you will. Because you can count on all the top corn herbicide products, including Resicor, SureStart 2, and Keystone NXT, to effectively control weeds, you can spend less time worrying about unwanted yield-robbing plants and power on. Learn more at poweroverweeds.com power. Keystone NXT is a restricted-use pesticide. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhem. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about tiling rented ground today here in the Morton studio. And it can be a little bit tricky. We would love to hear from you. Our phone lines will be open, 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have some experience in this or, or if you have any agronomic questions, you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head over, back over to Illinois. We are in Illinois earlier, but we got Jeremy Miners on with us right now with Agrum. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. You know, we're talking about tiling rented ground, and we just kind of threw that qualifier in there that, okay, if, if someone owns the ground and they're willing to make the investment, pretty easy. You just go ahead and get it done, but I mean, it's not that easy, but it's pretty close. But when it's somebody else that owns the ground and you're the tenant and you say, man, we really need to get some tile in this ground, and it's kind of like going to, to mom and dad to ask permission to, to do something. Mom, dad, can I have some money? I want to go do this thing that, that would be pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes it can be that way, um, and sometimes it can be that uh, the landlord is knowing that they have to do something to improve that ground, and uh, the farmer who you know is in the community 
tends to have a little bit more information in terms of who to contact in order to get it done. So we've, we've seen it in both situations where uh, it's, you know, well, I need to get something done and I need to ask my landlord. And on the other case, the landlord says, I need more information on what to actually do. And then they go to the farmer. Yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, so what are you seeing happening this year? Are there supply chain issues with tile and getting the work done and parts and all those kinds of things, or is it going fairly smoothly? Uh, well, that yeah, there there's definitely been some supply chain issues this year. Uh, so uh, as everybody probably knows, we've had an increase in commodity prices, and plastic being one of those. And so there have been certain parts of the U.S. here that uh, they're just not able to get the tile that they need for installation. And when they do get it, it's usually higher price because of the cost of plastic and also transportation if they have to bring it in from farther distances. So yeah, we've definitely seen supply chain issues. That said, there's a lot of work to be done. And with the higher commodity prices, it, it, it's, it, it still makes it a good investment for both the farmer and the landlord. Yeah, you're right. You got to look at this as an investment, see what you're going to to profit potentially from this long term and, and how much money you're going to make on it. Because I, I know costs are up this year, but by the same token, the sooner you get tile on the ground, the better or the sooner you start seeing the results. And man, you look at 2022's outlook, it looks like we get a, sh a chance to make some pretty good money. Tile could really help. Absolutely. Yep. I can't disagree with you on that. Uh, it's and and it also depending on how your your crop's been harvested if you're if you're done yet not here in central illinois of course but uh <laughs> if you got the time it, it's always is always best to do it now <laughs> okay and why is central illinois not done because they've gotten rain right all the more important oh. to have uh, have your drainage uh, optimized really in your field and uh, it's interesting to us too because a lot of the guys in in the western part of the corn belt here are new to drainage and they've just been focusing on it here in recent years and when you go further east guys have done stuff for years and years but in some cases they've got fields that haven't been updated for 20 30 even more years and maybe the spacings aren't quite up to speed right now what what do you see in terms of design is it a lot of splitting tile lines in illinois and now getting things closer or is it just fixing up old tile lines that are damaged where would you say the, the guys that have some tile but maybe not enough where do they fall okay so that is a great question um so in the the present situation here is i mean this this last uh summer we've had some massive rain events and the need for being able to drain both the the subsurface and the surface has become very evident for a lot of folks and that surface drainage where you've had just water just pooling in areas for days on end, just making these huge holes where you just don't have any crop, that seems to be getting a lot of focus right now, at least here in central Illinois. Uh, but when it comes to those older systems, a lot of times they're, they're not designed to be able to handle the amount of water that we need to be taking off nowadays. So many of these cases, they're actually just replacing the older systems unless they're just trying to make it exist for another couple of years before they do put in a bigger system. Yeah, that's a good point. We certainly found that out in 2018 and 2019 on our farm that we were designed for uh, an area that normally gets 20 to 25 inches of moisture. And when you get almost twice that, uh, <laughs> that's going to overwhelm almost any system out there. Right, we're talking with Jeremy, Jeremy Miners here at the Agrum. Jeremy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today and good luck to you here the rest of the fall. Oh, same with you. Thank you so much.
Let's head over to Minnesota, get our friend Noah Nelson with Nelson Ag Drainage on right now. Noah, how's uh, how's the fall working out for you guys? Oh, uh, a little wetter than the summer. Isn't that how it goes? When when you get rain, it doesn't exactly come when you want it. You could have had it in the summer and benefited the crop. And then my brother always says this. He goes, if I'm rooting for a drought ever, it's in the fall. <laughs> the fall's when we need our droughts to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's we're a lot wetter than we were expecting to be in. It kind of was a perfect storm, but we're plugging away here. Now, I know you guys cover a pretty decent territory, too. Is it is it a good share of west-central Minnesota that, that's got the rain, or are there some areas that are drier than others? Uh, you know, I would say in my immediate area, we're pretty fortunate. I mean, we didn't have quite as much rain as they did up north. Up a little north of here, it's, uh, it's pretty ugly, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, uh, they got a lot of rain in this last month here, and it's it's just made a mess. Now, one of the things that, that we were talking about today is just specifically talking about a rented ground. And I know as farmers are getting crops off, do you find that makes much difference to the farmer? Is he looking at, does he own the ground or does he rent the ground? Is he trying to get this field off first or last? Or is it just usually, well, which one's ready? Let's just go get it. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, it, from what I can tell, seems like most guys just you know, whatever's ready um maybe logistics wise uh as far as what's closer and and stuff like that might come into play but for the most part it's uh whatever's ready first is, is what they go to in your part of the country do you find is it about 50 percent rented ground in your area or is it a little stronger than that um you know i would guess that's probably probably fair uh, saying I, I would guess it's probably half rented or so. All right. And your projects that you're working on this fall, is it mostly rented ground, mostly ground that the farmer owns himself, or about half and half too? Um, I would say more so uh, guys that own the ground, but we do have some uh, that are rental projects or projects on rented ground, um, kind of a mixed bag of who's paying for what, but uh you know, uh, there's some guys that they just they just want it tiled and they, they work it out with their the landowner and uh, work out a deal that way. And there's some guys that they we work with the landowner. Um, so it's kind of just depends on the situation and of, you know, how it was rented and what's whatnot. Yeah, it's it's always a. I agree with you. It's always a mixed bag. I know even for for things that we've done and projects that we've uh, worked with other farmers on or, or worked with our own landlords on. So everybody's got a little different financial situation, a little different incentive to do it. And you know, especially if you've got a long term contract that that frees up the farmer to do quite a bit more. If you know, okay, I'm for sure going to have this for a number of years here. That that definitely helps me. Do you see? Um, uh, I guess just last thing, Noah, any, any specific challenges outside of, of the moisture this year? Have the supply issues uh, really impacted your business or not too bad? Uh, for the most part right now, we're, we've been in pretty good shape. We had a decent stock from from last year in the summer. Uh, we've, we've done pretty well that way. But I, I have had some, uh, I don't know what you call it, maybe odd uh, size stuff, uh, some smaller dual and stuff like that. That's maybe been a, a little harder to get. Uh, maybe, I don't think that's so much a supply issue, just to, um, you know, I don't sell a lot of it, but 
I know the bigger pipe and stuff like that is pretty hard to come by at this point. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's like everything else right now. You just got to call ahead, line th- things up as early as you can. And with a lot of these drainage projects, especially when you're working with rented ground and, and perhaps working with a landowner, it just takes a little bit more planning. We're talking with Noah Nelson here with Nelson Ag Drainage in West Central Minnesota. Noah, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you. We'll talk a little more about tiling and get to some of your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about tiling on the show, and anytime we talk about tiling, I always risk turning the microphone over to my brother Brian that it might be the whole hour talking about tiling. But Brian, we've had over half the show already about tiling. Do you have any more to add to the tiling discussion today, or should we jump into the Ag PhD mailbag? Well, we will jump into the mailbag just shortly, but before we do, I... I I have to always take the opportunity when the discussion's about tile to say, look, tile is great for the environment when you put it in right. I would really encourage you. There, so I'm going to give you the, the title of an article that I want you to read. It's a summary of 86 different studies on drain tile over the last several decades. And it's called Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. So you can just do an internet search for Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. It's by Heather Fraser and Ron Fleming. But, I mean, literally, if you just type in Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage, this will pop up. It came out of, uh, these people were out of University of Guelph, but the studies are from the United States and Canada. Anyway, it's fantastic. And what you're going to find in there is some of the same data that we've been talking about for years from different, just basically from various studies. Well, a lot of these are all summarized in this. But anyway, tiling reduces erosion by about 40 to 60%. Just think about that. Tiling reduces erosion by 40 to 60%. Tiling reduces flooding, usually by about 15 to 30%. And I would actually say it's greater than that. I'm surprised it's that low. Tiling improves downstream water quality as long as you're not using intakes or inlets. So if, if you just have your tile below the ground, it's three, four, five, six feet below the ground, you have that soil to filter the water. The downstream water is going to be far cleaner when you have tile water as opposed to soil runoff. Uh, tiling improves roads. This is one of the most important things that we found in our region of the country because there are a lot of areas where it's pretty flat and the drainage isn't the greatest. And when roads were built, the culverts weren't necessarily in the right place, or maybe they were originally, but now they aren't. So I would just say if you're having issues with roads, odds are pretty high. It's not the big trucks that are causing the problem. The real problem is water. Remember, water is the number one enemy of roads. You've got to take care of that water, and then you'll have a better road long term. And then finally, tiling helps maximize help helps farmers maximize production on current farmland, meaning non-crop land can be kept for other uses such as hunting and recreation. So we talk about this all the time, but yes, tile can absolutely help you on your farm, raise more crop. But I want you to think about two things that people will say uh, that are completely dead wrong. Number one is if you're downstream, you're going to get flooded out. That's nonsense. And just think about this logically for a second, okay? Just step back, take the emotion out of it, and just ask yourself this one very simple question. How does a farmer pay for tile? Okay, how does a farmer pay for tile? Well, the only way is with what? With yield increase. All right, so we've had spots on our farm that were yielding 100, and now they yield 250 on corn. So what pulls more water out of the ground? What uses more water? 250 bushel corn or 100 bushel corn? Well, I mean, that's pretty obvious. The 250 bushel corn is going to take two and a half times the amount of water as 100 bushel corn. So what I'm saying here is long term, you're going to have less water going downstream. 
absolutely no question about it. If you had tile versus untiled, you have 250 bushel corn versus 100 bushel corn, you're going to have more water going downstream when it's untiled and 100 bushel corn because you're just not using the water. We want to use the water. Okay, so that's one of the things. Uh, the other big thing is that tile is somehow bad for everybody. It's just a bad thing. And there are a lot of people that fight tile. And I'm going, look, if you truly care about the environment, one of the most important things, and you can read about this in any farm magazine today, is you want to have a healthy soil. All right. People talk about, oh, the soil's alive. And so they're bringing up cover crops and no-till and all these practices that help soil be alive. And we're totally in favor of all that. It's all great. We want to build soil organic matter. When we build soil organic matter, we're putting more carbon into the soil and we're actually below zero when you look at the carbon index score. So it, it feels like to me... All these politicians all around the world are talking about global warming, even though we were saying in the show yesterday, you know, our CO2 levels are actually one-fourth what they were about 40 million years ago on the planet, and we're 10 degrees cooler than we were back then. But anyway, whether you believe in all that or not, the fact of the matter is a lot of governments and big companies are putting money into practices that will reduce carbon dioxide in the air. And that's great with me. You know why? Because we as farmers are their only way out. There's no other industry that can get below zero on the carbon index score than farmers. So that means they have to give their money to us in order for this to change. And when we do that, not only do we get their money, we build our soils and make our soils better. It's a win-win. But here's my point. If you have poor drainage in that soil... Well, then what? The most important thing to have good soil life is air. You have to have air. Without air, your beneficial aerobic microbes, they're dead. Your plant roots, they're dead. Your plants, dead. Over time, what you're going to find too is you're going to have higher salt levels, maybe higher sodium levels. You know what that leads to? Dead soil. Why do they call it the Dead Sea? Well, salt. That's really all it is. It's just salt. Same thing happens out in fields all the time. So when you don't have good drainage, you're going to have a dead soil eventually. Might not be this year, might not be 10 years from now, might not be 50 years from now, but eventually you're going to have a dead soil. Well, that's not helping anybody. That's certainly not helping the environment. And Darren, what was your, your stat the other day about nitrous oxide? Did you ever uh, confer, get that oh, confirmed? Oh, you know what? I, I didn't. I, it was, you got to get just, that confirmed yeah. for me because Darren went to this seminar where they were talking about uh, about these saline soils. And I don't, see, you can't quote me on this because I don't know if this is right, but Darren came back saying something like 50 times the amount of nitrous oxide going up in the air. Well, is that good? No, that's a greenhouse gas. So when you have a saline soil, that's not good for the environment. And it's certainly not good for your pocketbook because your, your soil isn't going to raise anything. You can fix it with tile. So anyway, Tile's fantastic. It's great for the environment. And I, I, I get frustrated when non-farmers, and even in some cases farmers, that don't understand tile are saying how bad it is. And it's like, what are you talking about? Tile's fantastic. It helps all along the way. 
I, I don't personally see anything bad with tile. Again, as long as you're putting it in right without in inlets or intakes or anything like that, you're going to reduce erosion, reduce flooding, make the downstream water uh, cleaner. Long term, you're going to have less water going downstream. You improve roads. I, I mean, it's it, it, it makes the soil healthier. It adds more income to the farm, which means more income for local communities. It's all good stuff. I'm just looking at some scientific data here, and it says 40 times more nitrous oxide released from the saline soils. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Think about that for a second. 40 times the amount of nitrous oxide coming out of saline soils versus non-saline soils. And all saline soil is is excess salt. And salts, keep in mind, are leachable. So if you have great drainage, there's no reason to ever have a saline soil. There's no no well-drained soil that's ever going to be a saline soil. I mean, unless, of course, you do something crazy and just throw unbelievably huge amounts of salt out there. So just with normal practices, you're not going to turn a field into a saline soil unless you have poor drainage. So anyway, as you can see, I'm pretty passionate about this. We're passionate about it because not only is it right, but it's just helped our farm so much. It's unbelievable and, and helped our neighbors. It's been such a great thing. And like I say, there's a lot of misinformation out there about tile. We just want to make sure we're setting the record straight. Tile is fantastic. And again, read that article, Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. And you can go through all the studies just like I did years ago. Um, it, that All that data is right there for you to read. All right, we're going to get to the Ag PhD Mailbag coming up right after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering all this and more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There is a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. 
precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. And we are in the Ag PhD Mailbag time now, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email, radio at agphd.com. First one comes in from Alan. He said we were talking about the high price of Liberty and that it might not be as affordable as you might choose some other options. Alan just cautions us. He said, hey, relying on Cadet or Flexstar to kill any water hemp that's emerged doesn't seem like the best plan. Hasn't worked out in the past. Uh, have you got any better solutions than that? Or if you're of stuck course. using those products, how would you make them work? Well, I'm I'm trying to think if I put this out for our our next Ag PhD magazine or but it, anyway, I just know I was writing something about this the other day, where I said, look, the full rate of Liberty that we would like you to use in soybeans is 43 ounces. We started talking about that a lot over the last couple of years. 43 ounces. Well, 43 ounces cost 25 bucks, and that's the price today. What's it going to be by spring? I don't know. 30, 40. I don't. I have no idea. Maybe it will just be 25 bucks. But anyway, let's say it's 25 bucks. For 25 bucks, actually for less than that, I can get you three pre's and two products that have residual early post. So I got five herbicides you can have for under 25 bucks total. So I'd use a yellow, I'd use trifluralin, I'd use metribuzin, I'd use Valor Plus Authority. Then early post, I'd use either Warrant Ultra or Anthem Max. Warrant Ultra is going to have Warrant, which is a group 15, plus Flexstar, or at least the active ingredient Flexstar. And then Anthemax is Zidua, group 15, active ingredient, and Cadet. So, yeah, he mentions Cadet in there. And did he, did he say Flexstar? Yeah, Cadet and Flexstar. Well, yeah, I agree by themselves. Uh, Cadet and Flexstar are certainly not equal to Liberty. But let's not forget Cadet and Flexstar both have residual. And they're super cheap. I mean, they cost like five bucks an acre. So... I mean, when you're comparing five versus twenty-five, I would hope you're not going to get the get nearly as much control. But if you use that as just one of your many things, you're going to be great. So what I'm trying to say here is, if you use the three pre's plus the two early post uh, active ingredients that I'm talking about, now you've got five products out there that have soil residual, four modes of action, and you should have ninety-nine, probably point. 5, 99.5% of your water hemp already under control. So now if you have to come back with Cobra, which is also down in price a little bit from just a few years ago uh, and doesn't cost all that much money, um, 
you're going to be in pretty good shape. So hopefully you don't have to use Liberty. If you have to, it's always there as your backup. But if nothing else, at least you should be cut down now from two shots of Liberty down to one. All right. Uh, we were talking about Tar Spot the other day. Got a couple of comments back from that. Tom shared with us. He said, hey, make sure you talk about the Tar Spotter app that the University of Wisconsin did uh, to help uh, predict conditions and timing of treatment for Tar Spot. And then Michael said some of the worst Tar Spot this year was in irrigated fields, and that's something that they're going to be looking at, irrigation timing, day versus night. And, you know, you think about that when, uh, first of all, the app, great idea, and we did talk to uh, uh, some of the university folks, and they had mentioned that Tar Spotter app as well on one of our shows. And then also what, what Michael said with irrigation timing, many of these diseases need leaf wetness for multiple hours. And yep. so if your leaves are already wet with dew at night, you're not taking any more risk by putting on your irrigation water at night. Now, if you could do that, just water at night rather than during the day, that might be something to take a look at. But certainly irrigation timing, getting irrigation done in advance of some of those worst tar spot um, conditions, that might be a way to go as well. Just say, you know what, this week we've got the right conditions for tar spot. We'll just skip it this week and we'll, we'll get back into it. If that's possible to do, yeah, you certainly could. Hey, thanks guys for the feedback. That's That was great. Uh, get this one from Marion down in Nebraska. You're going to like this one, Brian. It's very complicated weed control question, so get your pen ready. All right, so Marion said, all right, guys, corn herbicide. Well, first of all, he said, I should mention your three pre-program in soybeans has worked great for us. We really appreciate that. But in corn, we're having some challenges right now with water hemp. So this year we use Verdict at 16 ounces, Callisto 3 ounces, Atrazine 8 ounces, with our burn down, we had done uh, 2,4-D at 8 ounces with Power Max 32 Ooh. ounces way back in uh, the middle of April. Then yeah, I, don't, I don't like any 2,4-D in front of corn or beans. Too hard on the crop. We were three weeks Skip before planting. Time. You said three weeks before planting they did that. Oh, okay. Three weeks. All right. At only 8 ounces and three weeks before. I get it. But let me ask you this. Why are we going three weeks before planting? Why are we not doing it at planting. But anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, corn was planted at 32,000 population. Yep. He said we went post-emerge with Warrant at three pints, Atrazine at a quart, Diflex at eight ounces. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. And Power Max What'd at you a say? Quart. Warrant at three pints in corn. Yep. Okay. And Atrazine at a quart. That's a full pound of Atrazine. Diflex at eight ounces and Power Max at a quart. Okay. So what do you think about that? I, I mean, to me, the first thing I thought was, huh, if we did Callisto and Atrazine with our pre, I think that I would back that up. Because it looks to me like they may have done that 2,4-D and Power Max with the Callisto-Atrazine verdict. If so, I don't know why we need that 2,4-D. Am I, am I reading this wrong? But that it looks it's all listed in one line. Now, now sometimes I get it, Marion. Sometimes it's just an email and it's just a grammar thing or whatever. But... I mean, it's a lot of stuff you're throwing at it. For me, I like Verdict. That's not bad. And I like that full rate of Verdict. That's great. Oh, you could I, do that with your Roundup, and, and that could be your burn down. And I'd do that right about the time I'm planting. Okay, I got you. He's saying here, still have little water hemp about a foot tall with seed head in the corn. So where the problem is, is not the early season. And odds are very high that you're maximizing yield. He's just concerned about having... Um, late water hemp showing up and then going to seed. So what would I change in the program? Um, well, you're spending a lot of money. 
I, I, I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a really expensive program now this year. So I I don't know. I I mean, would I still do the verdict at 16 ounces? Sure. Would I throw Callisto and Atrazine with it if it was my farm? No. Um, I would just do the Callisto Atrazine post emerge, and I'd forget about the Diflex entirely. Diflex, were, were my my concern with it is it's it's dicamba and it's moving around the country. So I'd probably move the Callisto Atrazine to post, and then what I would put in with it would probably not be Warrant. Now I love Warrant in my geography where we have a shorter growing season and it activates with almost no moisture because we typically get almost no moisture other than 2018 and 2019. What I would probably go to is Zidua. That lasts the longest. Uh, now, it's also the most expensive, but if you really want it to last long, then I'm probably going to get that Zidua active ingredient in there. Even Dual is most likely going to last a little bit longer than Warrant. So I would probably go with a higher rate, and I would I would either use Dual or I'd probably switch to Zidua if I possibly could. I'm trying to think of any Zidua uh, premixes that I could 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 give you that would save you some money. But I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But if you said, I, w- I just want very late season residual, I'd use a high rate of Zidua as late as you can. I think, uh, I'm trying to think, 11 inches. I'm pretty sure you can get can spray up to 11-inch cell corn. I'd have to look at the label off the top of my head. We don't normally talk a lot about Zidua at a high rate at that point. But that would give you the most residual going late into the season. Your Callisto is already, you've already got that maxed. I mean, I'm not going to go more than three ounces, but by going post-emerge, that will help extend the, the residual of the Callisto and also the atrazine. So that's what I would do, and I think I could get by spending a little bit less money. All right, thanks or for at the least qu- be similar. Thanks for the questions, Marion. Really appreciate that. Uh, I get this from Tyrone. He said, hi, guys. What happens if you have very high phosphorus and a high soil pH. How would you manage a soil like that? High phosphorus and high soil pH. Yep. Manage it as far as what? What do, we, what do you think we're after there? Well, uh, if you're just trying to raise high yields, what would you do? I, I mean, hey, I love that you've got some phosphorus, but you say very high phosphorus. That sounds like that could be a challenge. Well, well I would just try and mine that phosphorus out by raising great crops. Uh, yeah, but don't forget, you're going to have more tie-up when you're in high pH soil. And typically, a high pH soil is usually a very heavy soil. So I would want to keep that phosphorus level equal, potentially. So what we'd really like to see is your soil test because high to you might mean something different than high to me. And we'd like to see what else your level, what your other soil fertility levels are because we only have two pieces of information there. I just like more information before I start making recommendations so I don't steer you down the wrong path. Hey, thanks for the question, Tyrone. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.